Father, thank you for your mighty hand. Thank you for the fact that you loved us so much that you were willing to make the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. That you reached down with that mighty hand of yours and you brought your son to this earth to pay the price for our sin so that you could save us, you could redeem us. You could make that relationship that was broken between God the creator and man his created, you could make that relationship right through your son. Thank you for that. God, in the next few moments as we open your word, we ask that your spirit would be free to touch our hearts. God, every one of us in this room have experienced a lot of life this last week. Some of it's been pretty difficult. We ask that your spirit would, through your word, speak to our heart and give us hope. Help us to understand the freedom that comes in knowing you. Help us to understand the joy and the peace that can be part of our life in the middle of uncertainty. Help us to see Christ. We'll praise you for how you speak to us. Make us willing to do what you ask. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. The next few moments, we're going to open the Word of God and we're going to chat about a subject that uh, Pastor Mike and I want to, over the next six weeks or so, unpack. Eight weeks, Mike corrected me, uh, over the the next eight weeks or so, um, we want to chat about uh, the promises that, some of the promises that are found in the Word of God. And as we were talking about this, one of the things that we realized very quickly is that God is the ultimate promise keeper. And as we walk through these next eight weeks, um, we're just going to draw out a few of them and chat a little bit about the hope that comes because of the promises of God. Every one of us in this room count on promises every day. If you're married, you count on the promise of your spouse that they made at the altar with you, that they would honor and love and cherish and keep you when your hair falls out and your skin gets wrinkly and hair grows in places it wasn't supposed to, and that you will be faithful and true and a team player, and you're counting on that promise. And every day when you wake up, you're counting that that promise will be kept. As parents, you make promises to your kids, some are spoken, some are unspoken, to feed and nourish, to provide clothing and a warm place to live, to direct them and point them in directions that will make them the individuals and the members of the community that you live in that has meaning and that they bring meaning to the community that they exist in. At work, you promise when you sign up or you take the job to give a full day's work for the pay that you will receive and your employer in turn promises to compensate you appropriately for what you have done. You make promises every day. 
You live out the promises through the loans that you have signed with a bank, with car companies, maybe with other individuals. We hope not. In politics, we have people who stand before us on a regular basis and make promises that they plan not to keep. I mean, promises that they hope they'll keep. And we live our days looking at the promises, hoping that they will bring fulfillment and joy and peace to our lives. But when they're broken, disappointment, discouragement, crushed hope, When that partner that who took the marriage vow with you turns their back and does something that was unexpected and hurts you in some way, that internal part of us, that part of our soul, begins to break just a little bit. And hope is crushed. And when your parents don't follow through the way you thought that they were going to, and when your employer or your employee doesn't do what you thought that they would do, hope is lost just a little bit. And today, in our world, more often than not, hope is being lost because promises are being broken. And if you look around, you see the results of hopelessness. Promises bring hope. Can we start this morning, the beginning of this eight-week series, from the same place? Can we all come to one point this morning? And whether you agree with me about God, or you understand who Jesus Christ is, or, or, or maybe you don't agree with me completely about the fact that the Word of God is completely inherent, can we all at least come to one point? Can we start from one place this morning? Can we start from this? There are, there are people who are, hundreds of people who are a lot more, they're, a lot, they're incredibly more smart than I am. They've spent more years, they've spent more time studying, trying to disprove God, trying to disprove the Word of God, trying to look at it and find errors. And everyone to date... You can look it up for yourself. You can go do the research for yourself. But everyone who has tried to date has only proved that the Word of God is right. They have not proved that it's wrong. Everyone, and and a lot of them who have gone down the road to disprove the Word of God, have actually walked away at the end of it saying, not only is it right, but Jesus Christ is who He said He was, and I believe. And you can go do the study for yourself, don't take my word at it. But, But let me just start from this point. Let's start from the fact that God's Word and God has not been disproven. No one has done that yet in the world that we live in. So can we start there? If you're, if you're kind of on the fence and you, you can almost agree with me, can you just, yeah, we can start there? Okay, most of you have agreed, so I'm going with it, all right? We're going to start there. 
Over the next few weeks, we want to bring you hope by showing you some of the promises of God. And I want, and Pastor Mike wants you to see the promise keeper at work. I don't want you to believe it because I said it. I want you to believe it because it's who God is. It's how he acts. It's his character. It's what he does. So the question in this is not, will God keep his promises? The question is, will we build our lives on his promises? The question is not, will God keep his promises? The question is, will you, will I, build my life on the promises of God? God has made promises with mankind from the very beginning. In creation alone, he made the promise of caring for, providing for, and being in a relationship with mankind. His purpose in creating mankind was so that they could be in relationship, so that mankind could understand the closeness of the Godhead. And then as soon as man turned his back on God and broke the relationship with God, it wasn't God who broke the relationship, it was us, it was mankind who thought they knew better than their creator. And because of it, they turned their back on God and said, I know better. And the moment that that happened, God makes another promise. And his promise immediately was this, I will make a way for our relationship to be restored. He didn't hesitate. He didn't scratch his head and wonder what he would do next. He immediately turned to mankind and said, you broke the relationship, but I will go out of my way to make sure that our relationship could be restored and made right. And that's what he went about doing. Let me show you how it works throughout history. Well, in just a minute, let me show you this first. People have studied the promises of God and they have found this, that there are somewhere around 7,487 promises in the Bible. Now, we don't have enough time. I would be dead before we got all the way through. So we're only going to take a few of those. Now remember that these promises are both positive and negative. They're blessings and consequences. See, If I keep the commands of God, the promises of God, God says the result is I will bless. And he does this all the way through the Bible. At the same time, God's promise to mankind is this. If you break the law of God, or if you go against what God is saying, there are effects or consequences for what we do. So the promises of God both have a blessing and a curse kind of side to them. Throughout history, some of those promises have already been revealed to us. Let me show you one in the life of Abraham. If you were to take your Bible this morning and go to Genesis chapter 12, you would find that God shows up to Abram and he says to the, this to Abraham. He says, Abraham, get your family and get all your stuff and I want you to leave the country that you're in and I want you to go to a nation, a country that I will show you and I will bless you and I will make you a blessing and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. But I want you to leave, I want you to go. If you jump over to Genesis chapter 15, you find God showing up to Abraham again and this time he says, I promise you a son. 
And through that son, I will do that blessing that I said I would do. And I'll make a huge nation out of you. Chapter 21, God gives him a son. His name's Isaac. And it's an amazing story because he shouldn't have had a son. He and his wife were way beyond childbearing age. And God shows up and he blesses him. And here's the story. If you were to jump to Romans chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 11 and follow that line from Genesis all the way through to the end, this is what you would find. You would find that because of Abraham... And because God keeping his promise to Abraham, there is a Savior who shows up, Jesus Christ, and he's the answer to the problem of mankind, our sin problem. And you would find this, that because Abraham kept the promise of God and God kept his promise with Abraham, because of his faith, God counted to him as righteousness. And God's promise was that all of the world would be blessed because of Abraham. Guess what? I'm standing here today because of the blessing of God in the life of Abraham. He kept his promise. You're sitting here today because God kept his promise. Now, for you and I, that continues. That doesn't end with Abraham. I want to show you a verse in 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to read it for you this morning. It says this, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, He has given us very great and precious, what's the word? Promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. God says this, he says, look, I want you to understand that through Jesus Christ, through the glory of Jesus Christ, through the person of Jesus Christ, I am giving you an opportunity to experience all of the promises of God. They're all yours. I give you everything you need through Jesus Christ so that you can be removed, and it doesn't mean removed in terms of disappear, it means this, that that the corruption, the sin, the difficulty of the life we live, we can live above it. That's what it's talking about. Through Jesus Christ, he lifts us above the difficulty, the sin, the corruption of the world that we live in. And knowing Christ gives us the ability to do that, gives us the desire to do that. And God says, look, I need you to understand that these promises, they're yours. They're yours. But you got to take them. You got to take them. I want you to have them. They're precious. They're wonderful. They're all here for you. But you got to take them. Through Christ, we have everything we need for, for life and for godliness. We can actually partake in the divine nature of God through Jesus Christ. The first principle or the first promise that I want you to see this morning, and we have just about 10 minutes to do this. See what I told you? We can't get through 7,847 of them. It's impossible. The first promise that I want you to see, it's found in Galatians chapter 6, verses 6, verses 7 and 8. It's the sowing and reaping promise. 
Now, I was going, and my wife told me not to do this. I was going to have her radical mentoring lady stand up at this moment and quote this because they've memorized it. And she said, don't do that. So I won't. Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 says this. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Don't be deceived. Don't think that you can get around this truth. That's what he's saying. Don't think that this one doesn't apply to me. See, that, that's us. We look at the principle, we look at the law, or we, we look at the way it is in certain people's lives, and we say, hey, that applies to them, but see, I'm different. And you're right, you are different. We're all different. We're all a little weird, but this applies to every one of us. He says, don't be deceived. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. This applies to you as well as me. This applies to all of us across the board. And he goes on and he says, God won't be mocked. In other words, what he's saying here is this. He says, don't think that you're better than God. See, that was the problem back with Adam and Eve. They thought they knew better than God. And we struggle with the same problem today. You and I look at life often and we look at what we're doing in life and we say, yeah, but I've got it figured out, God. Don't worry about this one. I got it. And every time it bites us, you'd think we'd catch on, wouldn't you? Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. And what he's saying is this, we're not better than God. We're not smarter than our creator. God will do this in everyone's life. There are no exceptions. The sowing and reaping promise is for everybody across the board. Even those who you look at and go, this isn't playing out in their life. It is. It is. It always is. That verse goes on, and I want to show you some really obvious things, and I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm thinking that you don't understand or, or I'm thinking that you don't have it together, but I have to say some really obvious things because often as human beings, we're really thick and we miss stuff, okay? So bear with me. I'm not making fun of your intelligence level. I just need you to get this. If you were, now, Mike, you pay attention because you struggle with gardening, okay? Here it is. If you were to go to your garden and you were to plant pumpkin seeds, Steve, you will not get apples. It doesn't work that way. This is what he's saying. If you go to your garden and you plant little bulbs that are onions, Mike, you're not going to get potatoes. It doesn't work like that. That may be part of your problem with this whole green thumb thing. (laughs) Oh, you don't even have the garden. (laughs) God says this, look, understand something. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And here's the problem, guys. We sow all kinds of things hoping that something else will grow in our life. Now, we wouldn't do it in our garden. We say, hey, that's Tim, you're being foolish. That's crazy. 
but we sow discord in our marriage and we expect to reap a great happy marriage. We lie in our marriage and we expect that we're going to develop trust. We're dishonest with our kids and how we raise them and, and what we're teaching them because we're teaching them one thing out of this side of our mouth, but we're living this over here. And we expect that they're going to come out of that a great, wonderful family that's all together and we're all woo together. It's not going to happen. And at my work, I cheat at work and I take time away from my employer, but I expect that he's going to give me a raise and he's going to say, you're the, best, you're the best employee I've ever had. And so on one side, I'm, I'm cheating and I'm doing things that I shouldn't do with my employer, but on the other side, I'm hoping that I'll reap something great. You won't. It doesn't work like that. And in my private life, I watch things and I listen to things and I pour things into my life that will cause hurt and harm within my relationships and my own personal soul. And on the outside of it, I want to look good. I want to come out good. I want to be blessed. I want people to look at me and say, wow, he's got it all together. You can't do it. You can't live one thing internally and expect something else to come out on the other side. God says this. He says, look, folks, whatever you sow, you will reap. It's just the way it is. We look at our life financially and we, we do things that we know will hurt us financially. We put ourselves in places where we know we can't make it financially and we hope that the outcome will be, I have a long lost uncle, will leave me lots of money and I'm going to be all set. It won't happen because you reap what you sow. That's the promise. That's the promise. Now, here's the wonderful thing about that promise because it says, if I reap things that are of the flesh, I mean, if I sow things of the flesh, I I reap things of the flesh, right? Sinful things. That's what we're taught. Dishonesty, hurt, lies, broken relationships, that kind of stuff. But the wonderful thing about this principle or this promise is this, that the flip is also true. It says that if you sow of the Spirit, you'll reap of the Spirit. Guess what he's saying there? He says this, if you sow the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, self-control, if you sow those things in your spirit, guess what you reap? (laughs) <laughs> you reap the Spirit of God. You reap the Spirit of God. The sowing and reaping promise affects every area of your life and my life. There's no area of our life that misses this. Our culture wants to believe that it's really not that bad what we sow. You can sow whatever you want and there are no consequences There's no downside to whatever your choice is. That's what we're hearing everywhere in our culture today. And we have disillusioned, hopeless people because they're buying into the fact that I can sow whatever I want and I get to reap all the blessings. And it's not true. It's a lie. And Satan is this incredible liar who wants you to believe that you can do whatever you want and the blessings of God are yours. It's not true. So often we we sow things hoping that something else will be reaped. Just read a book by Scott Hamilton, who was a world and Olympic champion figure skater, gold medalist. His book was called Finish First. And he said this, only what you practice shows up, not what you wish you practiced. I thought that line was great. Let me say it again. Only what you practiced shows up, not what you wish you practiced. 
See, I think we have this problem in our mind often where we wish we practiced something and we told ourselves over and over, man, I wish I was like that. Man, I wish I was like and so, And then when the end comes, we think, well, why didn't I get it? I wish I practiced it. I wish a lot of things. They don't come true. It's what I do. It's the actions that I take that produce the outcome, the sowing and reaping promise. Let me ask you a question. What are you sowing? What have you been sowing this week? Husbands, what have you been sowing in your, in your marriage relationship this week? You've been selfish? You've been honest. You've been pure in your thought life. You've been caring. What are you sowing? Gals? What are you sowing in your marriage? Kids? Young people? Teens? What have you been doing at school? What's your quiet time been like? What's going on on your phone? What's happening on your computer? What are you sowing? You're going to reap whatever it is that you're sowing right now. There's no way around it. It's a promise. It's God's promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says this, The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will reap generously. The question is not what are you sowing, but how much are you sowing? Are you stingy in what you're sowing? Are you generous in what you're sowing? I thought of Pam when I was thinking about this generosity sowing principle. Pam and I have had the privilege of building three homes of our own. And we always do the groundwork ourselves afterward. And it's something we, we're weird. We enjoy it. Pam loves to pick rocks if you have rocks or anything. She's just addicted to picking rocks. But when it comes to planting grass, my wife has a theory that if you can see the dirt under the grass seed, you don't have enough grass seed. That's her theory. And I thought of this when I was thinking about this principle of of sowing generously. She sows incredibly, it costs a lot, people. She sows so generously. And then we cover that with hay and we put water on it. But here's the thing about that. Our grass grows generously. Now, thankfully, we have a family that like to mow, so it all works out well. But that's the principle. If you sow just a few of those seeds, then that's what comes up. It's just a few. It's just a little couple sprigs of grass. That's all that comes. But if you, you throw that out generously and you water it and you make, guess what comes back? The return is generous. And God says this, look, hey, Look at your life and look at what you're sowing. Not only is it, are you sowing good or are you sowing bad, but it's also how generously are you sowing that. Some of us have this mentality that if we hold on tight and we hold it all close, then I'll save what I have. And God says, no, I need you to be generous with what you're sowing. I need you to give it away. And I'll return that. I will bless you with that because you were generous in how you sowed. This is a great thought if all of us are great people and we spend our lives doing the right thing and sowing the right thing and chasing after God, then we would be reaping incredible blessings. But wait, (laughs) 
What about the rest of us who haven't sown all the good stuff? Am I just out of luck? Do I just get to reap all the bad stuff? Well, here's where the promise maker and the promise keeper shines. Remember God, the one who makes the promises? This is where he shines. God in his amazing generosity and his incredible graciousness offers us something out of his love and that's his mercy. See, the promise is the promise. What you sow, you reap. But God saw us in our humanity and in our sin. And he loved those he created in his own image. That's me. That's you. He saw us and he saw what we were sowing and he said, look, I know the consequence. I know the sowing and reaping principle because I'm the one who made that promise. I know the result of what they're doing and I want something different for them. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to provide mercy for our sin. Listen to these words from Ephesians 2. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Now that thought really comes out of Exodus where God said this, I'll show mercy to whom I will show mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it doesn't depend on human effort but on God who shows mercy. In other words, it's not up to you and me I can't work hard enough to get the mercy of God. I I can't do anything that would make God look at me and say, oh, he's worked so hard, he's such a good person. Here, I'll show him mercy. No, it was God who looked at us and knew the promise. He knew the sowing and reaping promise. And he said, they need help. They need a way. And I'll give them that way. And I'll change the course of their lives. I'll change the direction of their life. And I'll do it through my son, Jesus Christ. You can reap righteousness. You can reap hope. You can reap joy. You can have peace through Jesus Christ. Even if your life, you've been sowing sin and discord and dishonesty... There are consequences for that. But Jesus says this, I will step in the middle of that and I will reach down and I will pull you out of that and I will make a way for your relationship with your creator to be right. That's hope. The hope of this promise is twofold. First, because of the mercy of God, I don't need to keep sowing the stuff that will ruin my life. Because of the mercy of God, I can change. I can be different. Second, as a child of God, I have the ability to sow goodness that leads to blessing in my life and to the lives of the people who are close to me.
the sowing and reaping promise, it's for all of us. We're all included. How's it playing out in your life? What are you sowing? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thanks for the hope that's found in it. Thank you for your incredible mercy to us. It is by our very nature that we sow discord, that we hide, that we become self-centered. But it's because of your great love that that can change. It's because of a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, that we can have hope in a future. Thank you for this principle. The evidence of it is all around us. It's in our life every day. Would you, by your spirit, give us the courage to say yes to you so that you can change the outcome of this promise in our lives? Thanks for being willing to do that through your son. Thank you for your spirit who helps us with this. Grant us the courage to say yes. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. If you want to chat more about this, what we've been talking about this morning, I'll be up front for the next few moments. Put this into practice this week. Have a great week.